Welcome to the People Impact Podcast, because your impact on people matters. We are two visionary coaches talking about human relationships in the workplace. We bring you topics that truly have an impact on the people in your organization today. This is for you if you're interested in expanding your perspective on people in your organization and on yourself as a human being. We explore ideas about impacting and improving the way people lead and work together. This is for all of you out there who are open to new views, visions, and dreams. Featuring Marjolein Fluck. Hi, everyone. Hello. <laughs> Myself, Lisa Dempsey. And today we have a wonderful guest that we're really excited to introduce all of our listeners to. Valerie Spain. Welcome. Hi, Valerie. Hi, it's so great to be here. Thanks so much for inviting me. Yeah, well, we're so pleased to have you on and really excited to hear about the work that you're doing because it's really important and I think pretty pretty unique out there mm-hmm. in, in the world, at least for now. Do you want to give us a little introduction? Yeah, well, thanks again. Um, so I'm a certified coach and I'm also an anti-racist educator and a group facilitator um, with a p- particular focus on working with white folks. So, um, and helping them develop um, space basically on the practice of also doing the inner work of racial justice um, using mindfulness and, and other somatic practices like breathing, but also with the aim of developing an action plan. So, um, and so I'm also moving into consulting. So DEI consulting for nonprofits, um, doing assessments and reviewing their um, uh, components of their DEI programs, and then also supporting um, their leaders and uh, middle managers, particularly, because that seems to be the place where DEI sometimes breaks down for organizations. And then developing um, those same kind of affinity groups uh, in the form of employee resource groups for white folks, so white anti-racist employee resource groups. Mm, interesting. Yeah, and say say that again. Anti-racism work for white folks. White, yes, yeah. yes. That's yeah. my, mm-hmm, that's my focus. Yes. Tell us about that. Why? Why is that so important? Well, it's so I can tell you how it affect how I sort of became involved in this work, right? Yeah. So, please. Um, I my background is is managing. Um, nonprofit programs focused on either uh, in the past, it's been uh, focused on health equity, racial justice, and um, healthy aging. So these big programs that had a lot of partners and multi-sector levels, et cetera, and bringing all these people together. But in the, and I certainly had been aware of racism most of my life, but not engaged in it or active and just mostly uncomfortable with it. Um, Mm. And so when I was managing one of these programs, I was invited to join a mixed race group of public health professionals who had been meeting for a while to, you know, examine uh, racism within their health equity issues within their organizations. And so we met together the first time we got to get, for me, that I got together with this group, we met together as a, a group. And then we broke off into affinity groups. Um, so the you know, the folks of color went one way and the white folks went another way. And I'm looking at the people of color and wondering, you know, well, how are we going to talk about racism without people of color present, which is 
the question almost every white person asks who's not familiar with, you know, looking at this issue. Mm-hmm. And a white woman activist said to me, you know, your work is not with people of color, it's with white people. Mm-hmm. And it was like a like somebody hit me with a brick or something. I, this is such a pivotal, insightful huh. moment for me. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I can do that. Because it was had always been uncomfortable for me to think about trying to ask people of color, like how to do this. Like it always felt like intuitively that was not the right thing, even mm-hmm. though of course I would ask or be uncomfortable or, you know, it never occurred to me to talk to other white people about it or to even educate myself. It just was like, oh, I just have to ask people of color. And if I can't do that, then I don't know anything. And so it didn't change immediately what I did, but it, it began that journey of really looking at one, taking this affinity group concept and, and taking it in to other places. So the first place I wound up taking it was to my, um, Uh, meditation center. And so we, because I, uh, what started to, I, I, what I started to become aware of that, you know, white supremacy culture, um, whiteness um, as a concept, um, racism was everywhere because all institutions, certainly in America, um, it's embedded. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I I just want to expand that to everywhere. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't think that Mm -hmm. there's any place that is immune from the basic premise of white is right. There's a underlying assumption, I think, everywhere in the globe about that. Yes. And I mean, I think why it's, it's a difficult concept for um, white Americans to understand is because we don't really understand our history. We don't really understand the um, the genesis of and how the country was really based on a sort of a capitalist system with racism as as a as a way to or um, exploiting people of color in order to gain wealth etc. So um, this this distinction between black and white or people of color and and white people um, white is normal everything else is not um, so. So for me, that really began a journey for me of educating myself and then also really looking at every space I was in and really thinking. And so I was in this, you know, this my spiritual home. I'd been there for many years. And so starting to talk to other white practitioners and then, you know, eventually we, we have developed a, um, we do have a white, what we call Sangha, which is just a group, you know, white anti-racist um, Sangha group or group of practice, community of practice within the center. But then it's also, um, I mean, certainly in all of these situations where I've come in as a white person doing this work, invariably there were people of color doing a lot of work already. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, which was the case at the center, which is the case at any other place that I've done this. Um, and so acknowledging that work is also really important that we certainly I'm building on the work of other people and then eventually to be partnering, but that's, it's such a, you you can't really be a, a thoughtful partner until you're educated. And it, and it's also a both and you have to be uncomfortable and uh, awkward and whatever is you're learning, (laughs) but you also have to take time to learn. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know. I I really appreciate that. What you're saying in the, educate yourself dive in find out what you can find out without going and asking uh people of color 
educating yourself before you engage further, before you step in further, before you, uh, um, you know, join the mm-hmm. mixed group. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, I, it, I think it's a difficult, the concept of, uh, you know, the concept of white people coming together in affinity groups to mm-hmm. learn about mm-hmm. racism is, has a tradition in anti-racism work. Mm. Certainly in America, I, mm-hmm. I'm not sure about other parts of the world, but certainly in America, it, it, there are many white folks who have been involved in this work. Tema Oken is one that I refer to often. Um, but they, um, so that it, it's hard to explain to people why this is necessary. Like why do white people have to get together alone again? Isn't that a problem? Don't we have a lot of problems? White isn't, people? Yeah. isn't that the problem in itself? Segregating that? Yeah. I'd love so, to, so, to untangle that just a mm, little bit. Cause I, I think mm-hmm. that's so important and it is such a really common misconception. Mm-hmm. So people will say, why are we segregating? And then it, then that brings up this idea of segregation that that's that does happen in our society. We are a very mm-hmm. segregated society. We segregate because of racism. But this isn't that kind of segregation. This is doing our own work. And, and people of color are saying this over and over and over again. White, you, if you're white, you may have heard this from your colleagues or friends or whatever. Stop asking me, go ask somebody else, go do your own work. Uh, And that's what it means. It means come together with other like-minded white folks who want to learn. And it's all, it's often uncomfortable and awkward. Like when we, I remember when I first came to college, I had no idea, like, what am I asking? What do I do? (laughs) And so it's getting through that. And it's, it's a safe place to develop the emotional resilience that you need when you're actually in your workplace, in other places that are mixed race, so that you have the the resilience and the ability to navigate spaces and also um, engage better. So the more educated I am, the more I understand about myself and my own triggers, because that's the kind of work we also do in these groups. So you're paying attention to what triggers you, you're um, working to um, handle difficult emotions, Um, you're working on listening, you're developing the wisdom to know whether you should stay in a conversation or you should be quiet or you should leave. And that can often be in spaces with other white people who you don't agree with. And those are also the people that we, so in these groups, certainly that I lead, the idea is not only to, to do action, but an even more specific action, which is to engage with other white people mm. and begin talking to other white people about this work in spaces, particularly that folks of color can't, or even in spaces where folks of color might speak up about this work, it's a burden for them. Yeah. We need to start taking on this emotional burden ourselves and get over the discomfort for us versus what it actually costs folks of color to engage in this work with other white people. Yeah. Yeah. Taking so. our privilege in the spaces where we have that privilege to actually put it to use. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if it's uncomfortable or if it's, you know, something you're not used to doing, so it's new and it's a bit like, oh, what is this? Mm-hmm. Taking that well, discom- and using it. Mm-hmm. 
I'm sorry for talking over you. No, no. Um, <laughs> but the um, yes, the dis the discomfort isn't a signal to stop talk to stop working or to leave even or to whatever. The discomfort is a signal that something is happening for you. You're experiencing something. You are reacting to something. Can you identify what you're reacting to and then make a decision for what to do from there? Yeah. Or just be confused and just recognize that you're confused. There's no judgment about wherever one is. Um, and there's no judgment about being racialized as white. We're racialized as white from the time we're little. and We often don't. Um, and I, th I think that awareness of whiteness, developing that awareness of whiteness is the other work that goes on in these groups too. Mm -hmm. It's really um, understand the invisible nature of whiteness and how we, how it privileges us, whether we or advantages us, whether we like it or not, or whether we wish to engage or not. I'm constantly engaging in this myself throughout the course of my day. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. You know, I either have to make a decision or I'm not aware, or um, it doesn't, um, it doesn't stop just because I, I have the intention of being anti-racist. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I recognize that. I mean, just walking down the street, going to the supermarket, and it's there all the time. Yeah. What is the impact, the bigger picture impact of your work? I, um, so I can only see the, the, the smaller, small eye impact mm -hmm, of my work, mm -hmm. which I believe ripples out into the large eye impact yeah. of my work. Tell us about both. Um, yeah, so for instance, so the, uh, I, I've been involved in developing a, a, a white anti-racist employee resource group within a nonprofit agency in the mm -hmm. US. And um, there was a lot of like, you know, what is this about type thing. Uh, and, but because of somebody really believed in it, it, it got off the ground. Um, but within that group, it was sort of trying to figure out, well, I've done this in other places. How does it work here? But what I've, you know, basically used the same sort of playbook to develop these. It's not, you know, you have a framework, uh, you create a space that people feel okay being part of and, and um, engaged in. Um, you have a sort of beginning and middle and end. So there's a container for that. Mm -hmm. But what I, and, and my, and often the, the goal too is how to get people not only to begin doing the inner work of racial justice and then looking at how white supremacy culture is operating in their organization, but even in their department between mm -hmm. them and their colleagues. Mm -hmm. And from the feedback that, and, and that, so I was involved in that for about a year and a half. The feedback I got from folks was just that it, it, it was, it was making them think and also encouraging them to speak and engage um, and of course they were, you know, they were, even though the stated goal of the organization was to become an anti-racist organization, you know, everybody, it's, it's a fits and starts kind of a. Yeah. And those are three, three big steps and being able to think and realize and actually learn and also take 
actionable steps as a three separate big yes big impact things and then the organization is do like organizationally if you think about mm -hmm. like a person it's mm -hmm. also the organization is doing that too so there's you know there's a lot of bumpiness along the way mm -hmm. but um we had a core group of people who really, and then you developed community. So yeah, I, I'm glad I said that. That's the other really important thing about this group is the development of, of community and relationship mm -hmm. and an alternative to a white supremacy culture or a culture that advantages whiteness, but a culture like what other culture do we as white people want to create? And it's not, it's not based on necessarily being white people, but a multicultural how do we, how can we heal ourselves and then engage with other people, other groups in order to create that multicultural loving society that we all want to benefit from. And so I think this work is really an important part of that whole thing. And it's often overlooked. People want their white employees to take a bias training or this training or, you know, get with the program or we told you how to do this and all you have to do, but it, but <laughs> there was your very, diversity day. Now go ahead and do different for the rest of your, your life. training. Why hasn't <laughs> it all changed? What, what? <laughs> and, and not offering people um, one, any ongoing support to sort mm -hmm. of understand what's people don't really change until they have the experience of it. So how can you support people through the experience of mm -hmm. this change? How do you deal with help your middle managers who, you know, they're hearing what's going on from senior leaders, but then here they are faced with a staff person that whatever a situation, uh, they don't know who to call. They had that training, but now they don't, you know, there's no playbook. They don't yeah. have a script. Right. And yeah, that yeah. wasn't a part of the formula. Wait, wait, we <laughs> didn't cover this situation. What's going mm -hmm. on? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I think you mentioned something really important that I, I just want to go back and, and highlight and maybe have you decode a little bit as well. And that's, you know, white supremacist workplace culture. Because I think that that probably sounds like a really big, scary thing that makes a lot of people go like, oh, but we don't have that. You know, mm -hmm. we we could we could use with a little bit more inclusion, creating a little bit more of a sense of belonging. But we do not have a white supremacist culture in our workplace that doesn't exist. And I. I'd like to give space to challenge those ideas that are probably out there floating around in people's heads. Because <laughs> I can sort of, I feel it in the ether. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. can, you, can you unravel that just a little bit? Because it, it sounds like this big thing that's really negative, but uh, yeah. This, yeah. Can you speak to that? Because I think it's really important. Thank you. Thank you for bringing that. Because when I said that, I it sort of, I thought, ah, we have to grab that. So thank you for grabbing that. <laughs> um, so a, a, two things, one is the using language in order to kind of normalize it. So for the longest time, even saying white uh, and still saying white in a lot of situations um, makes people makes white people uncomfortable. Um, it's as if you're saying, and, or saying anti-racism or whatever, it's as if you're saying people are racist, like you're bringing attention to this thing called race. Um, 
and people have all sorts of re reactions to it. And so they're uncomfortable with it and they don't, you know, there's a tendency not to want to say that. And white supremacy culture. Um, so in the circles I travel in and, and it's always interesting to kind of not soften language, but to find the language that will most convey what you're trying to convey. And sometimes you just kind of say it. And then other times you have to figure out, is this kind of the situation where people will actually be able to hear that? So white supremacy culture um, simply means a, a culture that uh, advantages the, you know, the, um, the culture, the, the norms, the, um, the racialized identity of, of whiteness. Um, and, and generally if you're even, so many of the organizations that I deal with have a lot of white leaders. Um, and so that there's a, there's a dominance of, of whiteness of white people in these organizations with often unexamined um, who have not really examined their racial identity or understand how they might be enacting that or perpetuating it in their organizations. Um, so whiteness is a concept that affects everyone, whether you're a person of color or a white person. So it's, it's, it talks, it's talking more about the culture of an organization. Um, when usually when we think of white supremacists, we think of, you know, neo-Nazis and other people that are very extreme, et cetera. But when you think about um, racism as embedded in throughout institutions and companies and organizations, mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a shorthand for saying that, you know, as a way to address or um, identify a cultural way. And then you have to look at how it shows up in your organization. It's not sort of a um, a label that just gets slapped on there and then it's done, you know, this is how you are. And, and, and that there's a list of things that indicate all of those things. And that's the, um, the learning and the exploring, right? And how is this yes. showing up in, in our organization? Um, yeah. Chances mm -hmm. are that most parts of the world, most organizations, whiteness is, is, is prioritized and has all the, you know, the best, the best, cards in the deck um, right so how is that showing mm -hmm. up in your organization and that is white supremacy is white is on top of mm -hmm. the list of the the thing that gets prioritized and that is white supremacy so how is that showing up and learning that and examining that exploring that yeah how does it show up in your hiring practices and yeah in yeah promotion programming mm -hmm. yeah yeah mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure it quite answered your question, Lisa. Um, <laughs> it's one of those, it's one of those um, phrases that uh, I wish there was a different, sometimes I wish in different situations there was a different way of explaining it. Mm -hmm. um, but, it's, a, uh, it's a big one to unpack. So <laughs> let's acknowledge that uh, mm -hmm. in, in this way too. Yeah. 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 No, but I, I think you covered some of the really important things. And I, I think though the 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 underlying assumption at, at least that I I've learned in my own sort of anti-racist journey is mm. pretty much white supremacist culture exists everywhere. Mm -hmm. Right. 
it it and it doesn't require you to have you know an all white male board it doesn't require you to have a bunch of racist people working there it 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 is anytime you're coming from that default assumption of white is right the white way of thinking and doing things this is our accepted standard and our norm you, yeah, you are then automatically dealing with a white supremacist culture, whether it's overtly racist or not, there's always bias built into that system. And I think yeah. that that's a, I know for me in my journey, that was a really big eye opener. Yeah. And most of us are unaware. So most of us are simply unaware. It's not like people are necessarily consciously trying to do yeah. Yeah. these things. No, much of the time we're simply doing it without understanding. And so that's where the education comes in is under, is, is just creating that understanding and really then questioning yeah. yourself. Like, where do I hold these beliefs? Do I, is it here? It's always an invitation to question. It's never a judgment. Um, I just want to really be clear about that. And actually I find this work very joyful very joyful. And honestly, I mean, certainly it's depressed. It can be sought hard. I'm not saying it's not, not hard, but because it's transformational, mm -hmm. it's truly transformational because it's asking you to look at things you almost have never looked at. And yeah. so that in itself is a transformational process. And that and is where you're, so that's, that's where your skill and also your love of the profession of being a coach mm -hmm. is shining through that's that's what it, that's that's a coaching skill that you mm -hmm. have yeah and, thank you for uh, that is, saying that Maria line yeah that's a great value in, in the work that you do yeah I'm curious what would you recommend for our listeners to start start this transformational journey today like what's the first step that people can start taking if they recognize oh yeah, wait a minute, I think I might be in an organization or might be working with a group of people who are mm. carrying around these very quiet assumptions who maybe have some biases that are worthwhile examining or they want, you know, they want, they're curious about this anti-racism work. What, what's a good starting point? So the good starting point is with yourself and also educate yourself. So you never have to ask a black, brown, indigenous, or any person of color any question, you can actually Google it. You can, you can Google any term. You can listen to podcasts, which is what I do a lot. Podcasts hosted by BIPOC folks. Mm -hmm. You can be like a fly on the wall listening to their experiences, their feelings. Their, you can read books they write, you can watch movies they direct. Mm -hmm. um, and then when you do that, you talk to other white folks and you ask them to develop this as a practice. It doesn't mean you never talk to BIPOC people ever. It really means you begin developing this practice. Then you ask white people, like, what have you done in this situation? Do you know where to go? What did you do? Mm -hmm. And you begin to develop this network of like-minded people exactly. who, who, who are encouraging and supporting you and you'll find that when you go into those spaces and this issue is there, you have something to say in an authentic way, or you know just when to be quiet or whatever, but you begin to develop that wisdom around that kind of interaction. 
or knowing which questions to ask what people <laughs> yes exactly yeah, yeah exactly and and I really love that you add that network and that community in that sense because uh you know being on that journey with other people who are also on the journey and sharing what you've learned you know I figured out this oh I figured out that oh then you you know mm-hmm. supporting each other and sharing those insights and to be able to bounce those off those ideas off each other yeah. that uh that makes a difference thank you for sharing that yeah yeah thank you for asking (laughs) yeah and thank you so much for sharing so many really really valuable insights you know I I think both Mario Line and I have a deep appreciation for the very specific and and it's not only specialized but as you said it, it it's it's messy work right it is not easy it's not straightforward there's no formula there's a lot of discomfort in unpacking this but mm-hmm. it's really important and so I think we both have a, a really deep appreciation for the work that you do thank you mm-hmm. well I'd also quickly like to honor the fact that you both also do this work too so um in your own areas in your own spheres so um yeah so I feel like I'm in good company in the company of 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 like-minded women white Thank women you. very happy to have you and very happy to have the opportunity to to know which questions we want to ask and what to be curious about and have the opportunity to ask them yeah yeah and to share you know share and amplify this I think it's it is um it's so easily overlooked. And I think there was, you know, after the murder of George Floyd, there was a huge surge and movement forward, but I get the sense that it's become very quiet again. And I love it that you continue to do this work in an incredibly out loud and proud and active way. So so thank you so much. Thank you. You're, You're very welcome. And thanks everyone out there for listening. Perhaps you've been listening to us online directly. You can also find the People Impact Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Please do make sure that you subscribe so that you're the first to learn about our newest episodes and topics. If you appreciated this episode, please share it. And we'd love to hear your feedback and topic requests. We want to know what's on your mind in the workplace today. Let us know. Until next time, bye-bye. Bye. Bye.